Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. We talked last week about how to treat and take care of people, and we, we talked about older men to treat them with respect like fathers. So if I start calling you dad, that means you're old. <laughs> Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, Younger women as sisters with absolute purity, he says. Treat them like family. And then he has a whole section there about widows and the church responsibility and the family responsibility to take, to take care of our families, to take care of those that are, that are all alone. First family and then church. Family has the first responsibility to give back what they've given to us really is what it, what it boils down to, to take care of our family. And, and he puts it in the, in the context of our faith. It's a true test of our faith in God to take care of our families. A true test of our faith in God is to take care of our families. Now today I want to talk about elders and leaders. And uh, if you can get that for me, there we go. Elders and leaders and really practical matters, really what I want to talk about is how to treat them and what they do and how to choose them. And these are kind of, these topics are kind of interspersed in these verses here. We looked at this in in more detail as well in chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 3 and and, uh, other passages that we dealt with, uh, overseer, elder, uh, shepherd, that these, these titles were used interchangeably. But what I want to say, and I want to reiterate this fact, that it's not just a title. We get so caught up in titles. They're not just titles. In fact, they're roles. They're functions. They're what people do. And I don't care if we never use titles, as long as we we do what uh, we're supposed to do. That's more important than someone getting a title. We can pass titles around all day long. In fact, if you reach under your seat, I've, I've put titles there, so whichever one you get, that's what you get, and you can put that on and, and walk around, and I saw one of you reach under there like, like it was really true or something. Carol, don't do that. <laughs> titles are not, not as important as, as what the roles are, and so we're going to look in these verses about this, and, and he's speaking here about el- elders, but I think many of these things apply to leaders in lots of different uh, ministries and lots of different uh, 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 applications. So look at verse 17. We'll start there. He says, command, excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter. He says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. The first thing he talks about here uh, that I want to point to anyways, is what they do. And, and he says, those who direct the affairs of the church, the, the word literally means to stand before. Those who stand before. Those who do, stand before and lead. Those who take the lead. Those who rule. It's, again, it's not just a title that someone's been given, but, but a role, that someone is actually taking a, a role of, 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 of taking the lead and standing before the folks, the people, the church. The flock of God. This is what they do. This is what it's all about. This is what he's talking about here in these verses. And, and I want to say to you, and, and, and though many of these things apply to me, I want 
you know, as we teach through this passage, as we look at the scriptures, it applies to many of us as well. And, and I want that we all understand and we learn. And, and though much of it might apply to me, I'm not always going to be here. You're supposed to go, oh, like that. Now, I'm not going anywhere. I want to say that to you. But the truth is, someday someone else will. So we all need to be trained. Well, well what, what do the elders, what does the pastor, the shepherd, what do they do? And how does that work in the church? We want to follow the biblical guidelines and, and how these things happen. I want to say to you, though, that, that it's, not, it's not always easy to do these things. It's not always easy to stand before the people as a representative, as, as, as a, someone who would open the Word of God and preach and teach like he said here. It's not an easy thing to do. It requires heart. It requires a calling. And it requires perseverance. But one of the things that I've been sharing with the men uh, in the last many months, really, is that it requires some initiative, too. It really requires some initiative. The, the, the next thing I want to point out to you there is, is how to treat them. He says there that they are worthy of double honor. Worthy of double honor. Some uh, wondered, well, is that uh, referring to what he's going to talk about in the next word, uh, the next verse in terms of... Uh, uh, physical support, material support. So you're going to pay him double? Well, I don't think that's really what it means. I think it, it means some kind of recognition, some kind of respect. And I also feel that it, that it requires some encouragement. If you're going to honor somebody, you need to encourage them because of what they do. Turn back two books to 1 Thessalonians. We studied this many, many moons ago. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. He says, Now we ask you, brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Respect and hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. You know, that's not always easy to do. It's not always easy to, to have the role, is what I want to look at. We'll talk about uh, attacks and things like that in a minute. But it's not always easy to do. So I believe that people who are serving in leadership roles, they need encouragement. They need some kind of uh, help along those lines. It's not a bad thing. You know, this thing about, well, don't say anything to me because you're going to steal my reward. Go ahead and steal my reward. I'm trying to tell you that we need encouragement. People who are leading need encouragement. People who are, are trying their best to serve God. Now, does that mean they're going to be perfect? No, we'll talk about that in a minute. Does that mean that they are always going to be uh, you know, right on? Not necessarily. But if they're the leaders that God has put in, in our fellowship, in the fellowship that you belong to, wherever that might be, Encourage them. Show them a little bit of recognition. Show them a little bit of help. It's okay. It's a good thing. They need that. He says back in 1 Timothy 5, another thing that they do, what they do is to, uh, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. One of the main focus, uh, focus 
Foci? Is it foci? Plural? It's true. Is, is preaching and teaching that, that someone would actually preach and teach the word. And that's what we, we hold very dear here. That the, the word of God is what we need to be into. We, need, we talked about that. Paul, Paul talked to, to Timothy to keep at it. And one of the things he said was to preach and to teach and read the, the public reading of scripture and to keep at those things. Because sadly enough, uh, in, in many places it's, it, it gets you know, pushed aside. Sadly lacking in many places. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Um, first, turn it on. No, this. There it is. Nick did it for me. Nick's, you're the bomb, Nick. Nick is so good. Uh, he's doing what he loves to do back there as well. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider your leaders. Again, this may seem self-serving, but I, I, you know, I want you to know, I want every, all of us to understand that leaders have a role, but they, they, they need to, we need to understand what their role is. And, and he says here is they, they spoke the word of God to you. This is the word of God that they're speaking to you. And, and remember them, pray for them. Go into your war room and pray for them. But notice the responsibility. It's a, it's a very big responsibility, he says, to imitate their faith. And we talked about that, about that where Paul told Timothy to be an example. That leaders need to be an example of their lives. People are watching. People are looking to see who you are, how you live. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. And encourage them in it, in the preaching and teaching. It's not always easy, you know, to, to do a Bible study. Those of you who teach Bible studies on a regular basis, it's not an easy thing, is it? Now, in some ways, you know, after years and years, it gets somewhat easier. But then it's harder to be fresher because you think you have more knowledge than you really do. Right? But to, to teach the Word of God, you know, we need to get in there. And, and he says the work whose work is preaching and teaching, it's work. You need to get in there and labor in the Word. And, and people, you know, I think those that teach, they, they could use some encouragement. Hey, that was a good insight that you came up with. Hey, that was a, a good message. And not just a pat on the back because, because, and you don't really mean it, that's a good message, and, and then you say, well, what was it about? Well, I don't know. What message? Just it was a good message. Which message was it that you heard? You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? One of my, uh, my mentors um, was Bill Kinneman, as you all know, and, and uh, I can't believe it's been nine years. But Bill Kinneman, you know, that guy, I mean, he had the gift of encouragement, I believe, among many other gifts. But he would, uh, he would come up to me afterwards and he would say, you know, that was a good point you made about... And he would, and he would t say something specific. He didn't just come up and say, you know, oh, yeah, good. And that was such an encouragement, encouragement to me through the years because, truthfully, I knew that, that most of those messages stunk. But he would find something. And he'd been a believer for, you know, 
eons. And it, it showed me that, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer, that you can still learn something, you can still hear something. And so he would listen. I think we all need to listen, no matter where we are, no matter if it's a message we've heard before a hundred times. Listen to see what God might be saying something to you. Encourage them, those who spoke the word of God to you. 1 Timothy 5, verse 18, he talks about some practical matters here as well. He says, for the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and... The worker deserves his wages. So he's talking about physical support, material support, that if possible, if it's the right thing to do, it's not always possible in every situation and everything, to support them financially. It's okay. It's a good thing. But I want to also add to that, though, not just financial support, but some of the things that we've just mentioned, supporting them with encouragement, supporting them with, with uh, words, and, and, and other means of support. But, but this idea of financial support, just so you know, it's very biblical. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, who, who serves as a soldier, oh, there it is, who serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard, does not eat of its grapes, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk. Verse 14, in the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Now, Paul saw that it was very biblical to, to support those who work and serve. No problem with that. And I think it's biblical. It's what God should do, what God wants us to do. Although in Paul's case, you read the rest of that chapter, first, uh, chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, but I'm not going to take the support from those people. Though he did have other people that supported him. Every situation is different, but it's the right thing to do. One side note about this passage in 1 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, he, he quotes two passages there, and this is kind of an interesting side note. The first one is from the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25, but the second one is where Jesus said those words and which would later, we would find them in Luke chapter 10, verse 7. But notice he, he calls them what? The Scripture says. So even at that time, though, the Scripture wasn't gathered together yet, it wasn't, you know, the canon wasn't put together yet like we know it today, there were still the writings that were there that were considered Scripture, that had authority. The writings of people like Luke and Paul were considered scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, how to treat elders and leaders. He gets into some areas that, that uh, cre can create problems that we have to learn how to deal with. In verse 19, he says, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. The first thing uh, I want to say is this, that the character matters. It's very important. And, and not to just brush it off, not to write it off, but character matters. What people, uh, especially leaders who put themselves, who stand before people, it matters what kind of lives they lead. And that's a big responsibility, but we can't, 
We can't just pretend, okay? It does matter. That's first. But second of all, we need to stand behind those who are leaders. There will always be attacks. In fact, when you stand up in front of somebody, you are like putting a target sometimes. They say a target on you. And, and, and uh, the enemy would like to see nothing better than to take you down. But often it's people who bring these kinds of attacks. There will always be attacks, and some of them are not true. Some of them, what people say, what people accuse you of, and, and we need to be careful of that. Don't believe everything you hear. He's saying here that it needs to be corroborated. There needs to be two or three witnesses. And that, again, is biblical from the Old Testament. You don't just, somebody says something, well, did you hear that? That, did you hear that rich, uh, you know, he stole something from Lowe's? Did you hear that? Say, well, why did you bring that up? I'll tell you why. I'm glad that you asked. I went into Lowe's, right, and I was changing, I was changing some breakers in my uh, box, right? So I was, and when I go to the store, I have to, like, look at things and study them, and, like, I make myself completely insane. I look at them for, I might, I might put them all in a, you know, in a basket and then put them all back. And then I'll put different ones, and then I'll put them all back, and, and, and I could be there for an hour. And so, and so this time I was there, and I was at the cash register, and uh, Donna, who I don't see here today, she, I think she's in somewhere. Anyway, she works at Lowe's. And she's back there, and there's a guy there, and she says, what do you, she says to him, what, what, what's going on? What are you looking at? That guy over there. He points to me. Right? He said, that guy over there, I, I think he's been stealing. <laughs> this is for real. This is true, true story. And so she goes, think so <laughs> that's my pastor <laughs> and so, and so uh, but that's no guarantee that I wouldn't steal anything and I was stealing no I wasn't really I really wasn't but you know when I was a kid I used to walk around thinking people were watching me in the store and you know what they are they have the little things they're watching and the last time I was over there there was a guy standing by the cash register like that, that guy's watching me got to be careful. You know, I keep my hands like this when I walk around, you know. I don't ever put anything in my pocket because that, and if I do, I got to be very, like, this is my phone, like, crazy. So if you hear that, I, that I'm stealing over at Lowe's, don't believe it. Ask Donna. She'll tell you. She'll show you the footage. Warren Wiersbe, let me tell you what he said about this. He said, it's sad when churches disobey the word and listen to rumors, lies, and gossip. Many a godly pastor has been defeated in his life and ministry in this way, and some have even resigned from the ministry. Why? Because somebody started a rumor about that, and they just couldn't take it. He says, quote, unquote, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe a good slogan for a volunteer fire department, but it does not always apply to local churches. Where there's smoke, there's fire could possibly mean that someone's tongue has been set on fire of hell. 
James chapter 3, verse 6, he's quoting. Be careful. Give them the benefit of the doubt first, okay? Well, you know, did, is, do you have witnesses to that or more than one witness? Do you, is this true? Before you, before you go attacking someone in the church, and, and it's happened to me through the years, you know, I, I, I just, you know, people just enjoy having roast, a roast pastor for lunch. Did you ever have roast pastor for lunch? Of course not. And, you know, it comes with the territory, folks, and I, and I understand that. But before you tear down your leaders, be careful. Character does matter, and it's important that they do the right thing. But, but don't believe everything you hear. But on the other side of that coin, coin, thirdly, that if it's true, there does need to be some kind of discipline. That's what he says here, isn't it? Verse 20 those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. Those who sin, if it's true about them, some are true. Some of these situations are true uh, because leaders are people and they get themselves sometimes in a bad way and do wrong things. Now, does that mean they have to be perfect? Not necessarily, but you know, he says the above reproach in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But those that sin, he says, need to be rebuked publicly. If it's true, it's got to be dealt with. Why? Because, because trust is broken. And people are hurt. God's people are hurt. God's people are harmed when leaders do these kinds of things that, that are true. I think... Galatians 6 says that, you know, if someone's caught in a, in a uh, sin, he says, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also be tempted. He's, he's saying here that in, in 1 Timothy 5 as well that it's an example. We need to understand there are consequences and we will reap what we sow. But ultimately, discipline is for restoration. Ultimately, dis discipline is for rest restoration, though I think it takes time. And, and the, the more a position of public trust that a person has, the longer it takes, I think, in time to restore. Forgiveness is immediate, right? Restoration is a process. Serious. Look at verse 21. He says, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. It's serious stuff. He's saying this is serious. God takes all of this very seriously because it's his church. It's his flock, those that he died for. He sent his son who, who died for the flock, for the church. He says... He says, don't do things out of partiality, favoritism. You know, we have our cliques and, and we're going to stand behind so-and-so because he's one of us. He's, he's, you know, I'm in that group with him or whatever. No, no partiality. It's got to be clear, clear judgment. No favoritism. How to choose them. Look at verse 22. This is a very important principle. Verse 22 says, Do not be hasty 
in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. It takes great patience and care. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen as soon as someone walks in the door and they, they, you know, they look like a good leader, so we're going to put them in leadership. It takes time. Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. Now, uh, you know, if anything, I've probably been accused of being unhasty, taking too long. And, and maybe that's uh, the other side that we need to be careful of and watch out for. But, but I think there... You know, to put someone in a place of, of uh, leadership in, in ministry uh, too soon is very dangerous. And it can hurt them and it can hurt the church. Very dangerous. Don't be hasty. He says when we do that, we share in the sins of others. By putting people in leadership, we give our approval. We say, yeah, they're okay. But there's really something going on in their lives. Don't, don't do it. We have a a policy around here for, for, for pretty much any ministry is that you need to be around at least six months so we know who you are. You just might walk in the door and you might have a golden tongue and, and, or you can sing like a canary. Is that a good example? <laughs> you can sing like a fish. But, you know, we're going to put you up on a pedestal I've, you know, I've seen it in, you know, through the years that people who, who were famous, who, who uh, you know, they, got, they made a commitment to Christ and they got, put, they got put up on a pedestal too soon. They weren't ready and it, it did damage to their ministry. It did damage to their witness. And they, some of them, they pulled back completely. I'm just not going to do that because, because uh, they weren't ready for it. Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. That's what he's talking about, laying on of hands to give someone a ministry, to ordain them in a sense. Verse 23, we'll get back to that in a minute. Verse 23 is an interesting verse. He says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Now, what is that doing in the middle of this passage? Is it just a parenthesis? Or is that dealing with people was giving him ulcers. I don't have any ulcers, thank God. But he says you got a problem with your stomach and you have other illnesses and he seemed to be kind of have those problems. A couple of things come to mind about this and one is that God didn't heal him. Paul was used to heal a lot of different people but it wasn't like whenever Paul wanted to heal someone. Because he could have prayed for Timothy, and he probably did, but he wasn't healed. And secondly, that God could use someone who was weak, had a weak constitution like that. That's interesting to me as well, that God could use someone who had a weak stomach, who could barely deal with people. He, he, had, he was fearful. He was, he, you know, physically had all these problems to deal with. How could God use someone like that? Right? But, but he did. Right? He did. So God can use every, any one of us. I read this morning in Exodus where you know, Moses says, well, who am I that I could go do that? And God said, it's not about you. He said, I will be with you. It's not about you. Who are you? He didn't even answer the question. He says, I will be with you, God says. He didn't answer the question at all. 
So he says to stop drinking only water and use a little wine. Notice I just want to point that word out to you. He says use a little wine. In chapter 3, he talked about it. He says that they would not be given to drunkenness, right? Not be given to drunkenness. At the time, of course, we know that there were no water purification plants. And he says this here, you know, that uh, to stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of the problems that you're having. So, so is that one of the things that, that were going on there? Possibly. I, uh, I went to our wonderful um, source of information, Wikipedia. And I looked up the health effects of wine. Okay? See that? The health effects of wine. What does Wikipedia have to say about this? Don't just write it off because it's Wikipedia. Because not everything in there is wacky. Right? Just people write these things. The health effects of wine are mainly determined by its active ingredient, alcohol. Drinking small quantities of alcohol is associated with a decreased risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and early death. A small amount. Drinking more than this amount, however, increases the risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, atrial fibrillation, and stroke. You got to get the whole picture here on this thing about alcohol. Risk is greater in younger people due to binge drinking, which may result in violence or accidents. About 3.3 million deaths are believed to be due to alcohol each year. 3.3 million people die attributed to alcohol in one way or another. That's not just drinking and driving, but all kinds of other uh, physical problems. Alcoholism reduces a person's life expectancy by around 10 years. And alcohol use, it says, is the third leading cause of early death in the United States. These things we need to pay attention to, be careful about. And that's what I'm trying to point out here. And this is an interesting statement. No professional medical association recommends that people who are non-drinkers should start drinking wine. Right? Well, the benefits are good, so let's all start drinking. Not, there's not one medical group that tells us to do that. He says, wine has a long history of use as an early form of medication. Being recommended variously as a safe alternative to drinking water. An antiseptic for treating wounds, a digestive aid, and as a cure... For a wide range of ailments, including lethargy, <laughs> diarrhea, and pain from childbirth. <laughs> okay, you can write that part off. Ancient Egyptian papyri and Sumerian tablets dating back to 2200 BC detail the medicinal role of wine making it the world's oldest documented human-made medicine. So it was, there was a medicinal usage of it way back, thousands and thousands of years ago. But, it says, wine continued to play a major role in medicine until the late 19th and early 20th century when changing opinions and medical research on alcohol and alcoholism cast doubt on its role as part of a healthy lifestyle. In the end... Do the risks 
outweigh the benefits. He's talking, I think, here medicinal, I think. But I, I think we have to ask some other questions like why? Why do we drink? Why would we use alcohol? In many circles, it's so that I can tie one on, right? So that I can get a buzz. I can, I can uh, you know, relax and, you know, start to feel good about life. But leaders, I think we need to be careful because people are watching. I personally don't drink because, because I, I, I am concerned about people who have problems with alcohol. And I personally do not want to be a stumbling block to somebody who could have a problem with alcohol. So I don't. Is there a biblical uh, mandate that no Christian should drink alcohol? No, there is none like that. But I think we need to be very careful. And don't use verses like this, say, well, Paul told Timothy to drink up, and then use other verses, you know, out of context as well. For leaders, I think there's an a, a injunction to be very careful. In Proverbs 31, uh, it says in verses 4 and 5, it says, It's not for kings, O Lemuel, to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they forget, they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of the afflicted. If you're a leader, you need to be careful. It will affect you some way, somehow. If you want to talk more about that, we can talk privately. I'd love to. Great discussion. Finally, verses 24 and 25, 1 Timothy chapter 5, getting back at this idea of choosing people, again, gets back to the idea that time is needed. And... Verse 24 says, The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. Time's needed. Some things are obvious about people. It's just obvious. But some things are not obvious, and it takes time for them to, to become clear. Time will tell, so don't rush. The ESV study Bible says, be patient in assessing potential elders, and I add leaders, to let the quality of their lives become evident. Be patient. It takes time. But I want to end with this quote from Warren Wearsby, because leadership is so very important. He says, the ministry of a local church rises and falls with its leadership. The ministry of a local church rises and falls with its leadership. Leadership matters. Very important. And I've been talking about this with the men, like I said, for months and months and months. And, and uh, putting that challenge out there. We need leaders in this church. Is God calling you to be a leader? Again, it takes heart, takes calling, takes perseverance, but it also takes initiative. Elders and leaders, how to treat them, what they do, how to choose them. Important things for the life of a church. Let's pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your word, who, which tells us, which leads us in all the things of life, and especially about our, our fellowship, about the church, your church, your people. 
We pray, God, that you would do a special work here. And, and I know that uh, you are working here in our midst, Lord. I pray that you would continue to work in the lives of those that are called to be leaders. Raising them up, Lord, and, and strengthening them. And I pray that we would learn how to uh, encourage leaders, but also be discerning and, and patient and, and do what's right. Father, it's, uh, it's difficult times that we live in. Father, we, we look to you, we pray to you, we believe in prayer. And so we ask you to do a work here in our midst, Lord. We ask for your protection from the enemy, Lord. We ask that you would uh, be glorified by this gathering of people, Lord. We pray for the rest of the church here in our state as well, those that, that gather around uh, your word who believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray for them too, that they would, that they would grow and they would uh, be, be useful in, in the master's hands as I pray for ourselves as well. To, we would be able to, uh, to bring the gospel to the dying and lost all around us, Lord. Use us, Lord, I pray. We bring and we surrender, we submit, we ask you, God, to do work with us, in us, and through us. Father, I pray this morning as well as, as, as always to give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't know you yet. Maybe today is a day they want to simply reach out and say, I want, I want you in my life, Jesus. I'm lost, I'm hurting, I have no hope. So I cry out to you today to come into my life. Save me. Save me. If that's you here this morning, Matt, that's all you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus and he will save you. Do it today. Do it now. Do it while we pray before we even finish here. Our great... And wonderful Father, we love you. We need you. Every hour we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.